Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know, at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women, as well as marginalized people who has been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So, if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment, or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast. Apple, Spotify, and Google. It will make a huge differences to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, y'all! This is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian bitches down under in the cold lockdown. Sydney weather. Helen, <laughs> how are you surviving? It's such a miserable day. It's so gloomy. Mm. I mean,、mm. we have four days of straightforward. Sunshine, sunshine, yeah, and warmer weather. And then today,、yep. what、well, my area just dropped down to like two degrees in the morning, and maximum、yeah. at thirteen degrees. Yeah, and just so wet and miserable outside. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I am about to go pick up a Dutch oven from a person from Facebook Marketplace because, <laughs> like, I don't have the, like I'm kind of. I'm in my thirties. I have I in my kitchen. I like so many basic utensils to make and create all the things I want to make. Like、uh-huh. I want to bake bread. I want to make like vegan pavlova. I want to bake a cookie cake. Like all these things you need either like a Vitamix. I want to make. I want to cream coconut cream into、mm-hmm. like whipped coconut cream to make、Ooh. vegan banoffee pie and like so many of these things. You fucking need a fucking Um, Kitchen aid or some fucking.、Yeah. Sorry, I keep saying fuck. It's just so expensive, and I feel I feel so like disappointed in myself that I don't have my shit together, because I feel like as, as someone who loves baking and loves、mm-hmm. being in the kitchen, if you want to do stuff, you need the fucking equipment. Yeah, so, and like, most of us so expensive. I know. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Like a freaking Vitamix. I'm、um, not Vitamix. Um, kitchen aid is like seven fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I spend. F- Like seven fifty dollars on I don't know I don't remember the last time I spent seven fifty dollars on anything. <laughs> But anyway, yeah,、um, it's just like I really want to make something, so I'm gonna go pick up a Dutch oven,、um, which is basically just like a casserole dish, right?、Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. To to make、um, bread because like、um, when、uh-huh. I was on the retreat、um, at, in the fancy mansion, white people, white person's massive <laughs> house I was in with a friend. Um, they had like literally everything under the sun, so I went ballistic making crazy bread and、mm-hmm. vegan pavlova. It was so much fun, and they had a Dutch oven, and so I made ga- roasted garlic,、um, roasted garlic and rosemary bread,、mm-hmm. and it was so delicious.、Oh, and I really want to replicate it.、Uh-huh. So yeah. I was wondering, what's a Dutch oven? Are you gonna get like an actual whole oven, and then you just remind me? Yeah, it's yeah, like a casserole. No, exactly.、Um, when you put it on the、Dish. stove, that、yep. it、uh, it would act like an oven when you put the lid on, isn't it? Like yeah, a baking、exactly. kind of、yep. method. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.、Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, Helen, you bought Dad、um, a, a bread maker. Yeah, a few、uh, years ago, right? I mean, who has story, it now? The story of、uh, my bread maker is really interesting because I initially bought it for our dad for his birthday yeah. or father. Yeah, because our father、like、always said that he wanted to start a bakery and he was really into baking bread. Uh huh. And so Helen did this very nice thing and bought him a <laughs> bread maker. And then what happened? Dad never used it. Oh my <laughs> god! He was just left it in the storage under the garage or something like、uh-huh. that. And、uh-huh. then it was there for. 
this this turns out to the most of the items that we gift him for his yeah. birthday or Father's Day. Yeah. It just, just piles up yeah. in the garage, and then. I think it was a year or two afterwards. I saw her in the garage and I asked him why didn't he use it. And he yeah. went that he he was telling me that oh I don't want a bread mixer. I don't want a bread mm. maker. I want to make it with my hands. You know. Right, right. I think I was just like oh okay. So what do you, what are you going to do? Have you actually done it in the kitchen? And he yeah. says no. Nah, your mom never lets me to <laughs> cook oh, anything God. in the kitchen. That's so depressing. So. Yeah, actually, it reminds me of um. I don't know because I'm literally reading like five books in one day, right? So I uh-huh. don't actually remember where this scene reminds me of. But I read recently that um, in a book, I can't remember which book, um, where a character says that he would like present his mother mm-hmm. with um, a box of chocolate. And then the next time he saw her, um, literally a year later, the box of chocolate would have would would like still be in exactly the same really? place that okay. she left it when he gave it to her a year before. I don't uh, maybe I don't actually remember what scene it is from a book. Uh-huh. If anyone can tell me that'll be great. But like I remember reading that and feeling like really sad mm. because it's like you've gone to the effort of giving someone this nice gift, like a gesture and they've just left it there. It's kind of rude, mm-hmm. I think. But I think well, the I mother know. was suffering from from depression. Okay. Yeah. I don't know about gift gifting to your relatives, especially the older relatives, I guess they have different perceptions of value. Um, mm. With materials, they tend to keep try to keep it as long as possible. No, yeah, right. not as compared to the current generation where we like constantly consume a lot of stuff, where we're constantly updating, um, like we, like what you were saying, appliances, mm, uh, mm. technology devices. So yeah. I think there is a gap of understanding in values or com- consumerism, definitely, yeah. between us and yeah. the older generations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, my highlight is this morning that my husband caught a, we assume it's a, a, funnel, web, a, a funnel web spider. <laughs> Okay, on his face? <laughs> no, not his face. Um, it was in the uh, the sun ruin, and usually that when it rains, there will be bits of places that um, drips, and we have some leak in front of the ceiling, so we have uh-huh. like buckets underneath. So he mm-hmm. found one spider was trying to struggle climbing out of the bucket. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he picked it up. We put it in the veg- uh, empty Vegemite jar yeah. with a bit of water and cotton bud, and I called the reptile park. Wait, wait, a funnel web spider? Are you sure it's a funnel web? Yeah, he said it's a funnel web. We checked. He's pretty 90% sure it's a funnel web. It's not a very big What's one. What's so special about a funnel web spider? I think it's too venomous. Do you mean a red back? No, 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 funnel web. Red back and funnel web, yeah. We... Oh, yeah, I can see. I've Googled it. Uh-huh. Oh, my God, that's terrifying. <laughs> Ew. I was thinking about those ones that you just have, like, your garden variety ones in the corner of your ceiling. The dandelion leg. The ty- yeah, 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 the, the thin, yeah, that one. thin legs, I was thinking yeah. That, yeah, the thin leg. Yeah, I was thinking that one. But I'm seeing a funnel web in front of me now on Google. That looks fucking scary. It's got, like, what do you call it, like, van, yeah. the... Yeah, yeah. Um, 
veins in the front. Yeah. yeah it wasn't yeah. a very big one. It was a tiny one, okay. but we can see the like the features in the front. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we put it in a jar and I call Reptile Park, which is about 20 minutes from now from my place. Yeah. And thankfully, there's someone there because during lockdown, mm-hmm. you know, all this kind of park, yeah. zoo, they're all closed down. So the lady yeah. at the reception said, oh, yeah, just drop it by the oh, front okay. entrance Great. and yeah. we'll pick it up. So that yeah. was my highlight of the day, apart from recording oh. this um, podcast. Yeah. yeah. For those uh, listeners who are not in Australia, uh, I don't know if you've seen videos or listened to stories, <laughs> the dangerous animals in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Insects, spiders and snakes. Yeah. Yeah. And for those it's, who doesn't know, if you go to go on to Bushwalk in Australia, this is a mm. knowledge that we picked up when we travelled to Blue Mountain earlier this year when we did like a mm. um glow worm tour with a park cool. ranger. He told mm. us whenever that you're doing a bushwalk, uh, try as best as possible not to put your hand onto tree trunks for support. Yes. Yes, yes. Because tree trunks have a lot of spiders yeah. hiding in there. So yeah. that's the very um, – it's an easier place that you've got to disturb the spider, which will yeah. climb onto you or get it. Yeah, get and also bitten. often – yeah, they're like camouflage. Yes. You don't see them. Yeah. Yeah, when so. I go bushwalking, Helen, I usually just try and not even touch, touch anything. anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just try and be the least invasive to any kind of... <laughs> just keep like, yourself it, small. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, besides the actual um, pathway in which I'm walking, mm-hmm. I try and keep myself... Like, I don't try and disturb any, like, nearby branches mm-hmm. or anything like that. I just like to be as small as possible when I'm entering exactly. nature. Yeah, yeah. Nature doesn't need any more interruptions. That's right, yeah. And like actually the other day, like last week when I was um, in my when I was at the retreat down in the Southern Highlands, mm-hmm. we my friend and I, SL Lim, who's a genius writer, we went to do the um, Morton National Park walk mm-hmm. near the Fitzroy Falls. And I kind of realised while I was walking through there for the first time ever, and I don't know why this has never occurred to me, but I realised like um, – the pathway in which I was walking is like very, very artificial. Like, oh, like as it's in very someone structured had, and yeah, someone had stairs. Actually, yeah, um, like kind of, um, someone had actually uh, ransacked the forest and oh dear, cleared a passage, uh-huh. you know, in in which for us to go through. Otherwise, mm-hmm. like we wouldn't be able to, like it would all just kind of be hard to um. Kind of navigate your way through mm-hmm. that space, but but like I guess what I'm saying is like the stuff that I saw. Suddenly, it, it occurred to me that it was like someone had actually gone in there and bulldozed Shit. and cleared a path mm-hmm. in which for these things to occur, right? Mm-hmm. Because natural, like national parks, as wonderful as they are and as important as the work that they do mm-hmm. is, it's like unnatural. You yeah. know, like the natural world, it doesn't function in the way that now national parks around the world have been very artificially kind of um, curated, mm-hmm. right? It's a curated for us, mm-hmm. like the inner west um, sort of civilian um, and their like kind of naive idea of what nature is. Mm-hmm. And the uh, um, difficulties of actual bushwalks, I think people yes, it's undermine... Dangerous. A, a lot of difficulties of bushwalk where you have to actually climb over boulders and yeah. go through like bushes in the sense that it shouldn't have a like you said um a, a pathway that's been 
purposely mm. cleared out. Yeah, I mean, exactly. there, there's still you still need like a certain navigation. You know which way to mm. go, but I, I do get a sense of feeling that because since pandemic, that most people try to do outdoor activities mm. as much as possible, comparing to indoors yeah. now, and there has been a big change. What from what I can observe up on the coast, yeah. yeah. Right, right. You mean like the number of people? The number of people going bushwalking and number of uh, bushwalks that I've been before. And again, I've been, you know, in the past 12 months and I can see, totally see the differences. That the (laughs) path is flatter. You don't see as much like trees growing out in front of you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really, really interesting. Mm. What what an astute observation that Mm. is. Yeah, I feel like during the pandemic, a lot of people's ideas and a lot of people's choices um, in terms of recreation and leisure and activity and exercise have had to change. And I wonder how that, like you said, impact long term it has on, you know, Mm -hmm. the natural wildness of um, our national parks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I also just generally think that um, most Australians are very outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. Like I think I'm... I my kind of um, repulsive and egregious um, uh, feelings against camping. I feel it is quite <laughs> distinct. It, like most people I know, most of my friends l- fucking love camping. Oh my god, I just like roll my eyes whenever anyone mentions camping. I just think there's nothing worse than sleeping on like, Out, the outdoor ground. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but. Yeah, it's it's definitely something interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. So uh, my uh, two, I want to mention two exciting discoveries this week, Helen, for me. So I was looking through um, one of my favourite Instagram peeps, um, Anthony. I don't know how to pronounce his surname because mm-hmm. uh, I don't have it in front of me. But he's <laughs> one of the queer eye guys. Uh-huh. He's like ridiculously good looking and he had um, a photo of a like uh, a plus size um food critic next to him and i kind of clicked on her link and her name is um elise whitney so i've discovered this woman called elise whitney who i then found out is the managing editor of uh the magazine or the um I think it's a magazine mm-hmm. or like some sort of movement by Chrissy Teigen called Cravings. Okay. Um, and so when I saw that, I was like, because I'm not such a... <laughs> You're like, not I Chrissy Teigen's any, fan. Yeah. I don't like the degree of positive feelings I have towards Chrissy Teigen is quite um, minor, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But but um, I just love Elise Whitney because um, she is Korean. Um, she's an American Korean adoptee. And when I saw her and she is like a food writer, I was just like really excited because like um, I'm so sick of seeing like uh, popular food writers like in the New York Times and in Epicurious and most food bloggers. They're so fucking skinny mm-hmm. and like i just something about that really pisses me off like i'm not thin shaming or fat shaming or like i'm not trying to i, I feel like um i'm not trying to be any kind of discriminatory right now mm-hmm. but it's just i just i i thought it was so refreshing to see because at least whitney is quite large and it was just so refreshing to see like a food writer who evidently um loves eating and is like um for whatever reason like she could she could be large for many reasons i'm not saying that she's large because she eats a lot and she you know mm-hmm. i think like i'm not trying to pathologize her 
connecting her job to her the way she looks, mm-hmm. you know, physically. But I think I'm just saying that it's so nice to see someone who works in food and is not like fucking size six, which is like what I see most of the time. Like you see like Alison Roman or like um who's the other New York Times chef? Like all those chefs like um Mitt Ro- what was it, what's his name? Mitt Butchman or something, some guy, like most of the guys like Michael Pollan, you know, food writers, white food writers, they're mostly really really skinny mm-hmm. and like they're acceptably like as in quote unquote acceptable bodies. Um and like I just love how Elise Whitney is like doesn't fit into that friggin narrow um image. Um and that she also like works in food and like you know you, i just she just looks so happy in her pictures yeah and and you know what i mean like i yeah i just i love that so you guys should all check out her instagram page it's like really fun yeah when you told me about elise whitney and then the mm-hmm. connection with uh chrissy teagan's yeah i rolled my eyes a little bit because <laughs> just the other week that we were <laughs> saying yeah. how chrissy teagan was, teagan was is a like big so bully yeah. yeah exactly um, exactly However, with Elise Whitney, I found her blog, um, and yeah. she's a really great writer. I think she's a brilliant writer. Um, yeah. If you will we'll have a link on our show note of her blog, she yeah. has written for Glamour, for Bon Appetit, and she writes varieties of stories. I interviewed with uh, Aquafina, sharing childhood mm. of food memories. Um, she wrote about her how her adoptee identity um, impacts the way that she sees Asian food, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also, of course, she writes about the plus size. Um, there's a this article I haven't started. I haven't read it yet. It, uh, the article title: "I waited a decade to see a stylish fat woman on TV, and now we have blessed with shoe." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Helen, you know, all our listeners know yeah, how yeah, freaking obsessed. obsessed Helen too is <laughs> with Shrew. Yeah. Um, there's also um, an article about the guy who, what's his name, Dan Levy, who's the... Uh, oh, Damon. yeah, he's the Shit's Creek. <laughs> Shit's yeah, Creek. Damon oh, my God, Shits best Creek. show ever. <laughs> yeah, so that's brilliant, I think. Yeah, I, I really like um, how she um, observed and taking the identity of her as an American Asian adoptee and how yeah. that really impacts her. I think because those stories that we haven't really seen enough yeah. of the Asians that been uh, that has been adopted to America and grew up in the majority white environment, yeah, exactly. how much exactly. that will impact them mentally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we feel as much... Being in an Asian family, surrounded by our own Asian family members, mm. how much of the influence from the white majorities and how di- how much of the dis- discrimination that we faced when we were growing up, mm. can you just imagine her by herself and a lot of adoptees out there who has no one that could really relate to how she feel, you know, it's, yeah, even exactly. if you have white parents, I, I guess that it will, very, it will be very hard for them to understand as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well put. And uh, just going on to the um, staying on the idea of food, I have in my hand this beautiful orange book yes. um, by Michelle Zorna, better known as Japanese Breakfast. Uh, for all you guys who don't know, I didn't know before I discovered this book, um, Japanese Breakfast is a rock band and it's led by um, this Korean-American woman called 
Michelle Zorna, and she um, has written a memoir, uh, it's basically, basically a book of essays, uh, personal essays, about um, her relationship to food and also how that ties in with the grief, the process of her grieving for her mother who died of pancreatic, pancreatic cancer about six or seven years ago. And um, it is like, it's so, it's so, um, it's like a, I don't even know how to describe it. I still have it in my hand right now. It's not like, um, it's not Joan Didion, but mm. but but it's okay that it's not Joan Didion. It's um really beautiful in the way that she talks about food, and it's like it's so easy to read. It's mm-hmm. very easy to read. It's like she's just talking to you, and um I actually love it the more I read it um because um she so her dad is American, white American, and her mum was Korean Mm -hmm. and um, in the summer holidays she and her mum would because she's the only child she and her mum would go back to Korea Mm -hmm. and this when she yeah there's a essay in the book where she talks about going back and like discovering all her Korean roots and it really made me think about my like Helen you know when we were growing up my my our mother she would take us every September holidays like us kids um to back to Taiwan where we would spend like two weeks with the relatives and the way in which Michelle talks about her time in Korea really resonated with me. Like just one small scene, for example, she says like um her mum and her slept in like tatami mats. Yep. Um, and then like, like I was like, oh my god, that's what we did in yeah, Dashing, you know, in our, grand, in our aunties, yeah, grandparents, aunties, place. grandparents, aunties yeah. place, yeah, who all lived together in this like five story house in yeah. Taiwan. And like yeah, it was just like reminded me of a part of my life, Helen, that I haven't really thought about for a long long time mm-hmm. and if you if someone asks me today like what is the absolute happiest memory that I have in my life it will absolutely no doubt like be um all the weeks that I spent as a child in Taiwan mm-hmm. they've always been the happiest in my life yeah I think you were more lucky compared to me because I didn't get that much chance going back to Taiwan and yeah I was older yeah. because <laughs> I don't know because Helen was a black sheep. <laughs> apart that, I was apart being the black sheep of the family. I think I never really asked our parents, but uh, I was just trying to figure it out. Once I was older, I was just wondering: is it because after I turned twelve that the mm. airfares become the adult airfare, and I didn't have that much chance going back? I feel like after yeah. I turned twelve, I think there was only once that I went back to Taiwan, and then. The following time will be after that. I HSC. yeah, HSC will yeah, be when I was um, finished my entrance exam to um, university. University, yeah. So that was a big gap. Um, yeah, I agree with you that you know one of my happiest time when I was growing up was going back to Taiwan, and I had mm. a lot of friends um, who had who has Chinese background like us. And most of them will return to Taiwan almost on a day, on a yearly base, not if not yeah. like half yearly base. Um, yeah. And I think one of the reasons I felt that perhaps you feel the same as well, um, going back to Taiwan or returning to Taiwan, I don't know how to put it now anyway, because I wouldn't really want to use the word return because I will yeah. probably pretty much consider Australia is my Your home. base home yeah. now. Um, yeah. But back in, you know, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, when we're going back to Taiwan, I think that's the moment that I see my our mum is the happiest. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Because I agree. Our, our mother has a very deep connection with our grandmother because she's the only yeah. daughter. Yeah. And she's, out of seven kids. Yeah, out of seven kids. And she has such a deep connection with our grandma, Amar. 
and yeah, it's always nice to see her yeah. in her comfort zone where she yeah. can go to the market <laughs> and talk yeah. to people about praising on how her kids are doing yeah. that in Australia or just talk about how our life is in Australia. But yeah. it's always so nice to see that she catches up with her mum, like our mum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the happiest. And then, uh, and then our aunties as well. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, she had good relationships with her um, brothers' wives. Mm-hmm. Some of them, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can't believe I actually failed to mention Michelle's book. N- the title of her book it's called "Crying in H Mart." And H Mart, I didn't know this. I don't know if you knew. It's a Korean store, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Gr- yeah but why is it called H? What's the H stand for? I think even Michelle says it, but I forgot. Okay. In her book. I think we have H Mart in Sydney. Yeah, I'm I sure think we do. I think it's probably not oh, connected, but yeah. it's literally like I've just opened the book. Uh-huh. In the first page, <laughs> it says the H Mart is a supermarket chain that specializes in Asian food. The H stands for Han Ah Rum, a Korean phrase that roughly translates to one armful of groceries. Ah, interesting. Or our Korean um, listeners out there can shame me on my <laughs> Korean pronunciation. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a great book, and I just find it so like so heartwarming. Yeah, to read someone who like she's like apparently really famous. Like I've never heard of Japanese Breakfast. It's like an indie rock band okay. in America. Yeah. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't. Okay, yeah, yeah. I haven't either. But she and Gia Tolentino have a conversation on YouTube okay. that um that I'll will link in the show notes, and they're like really great. Just two like really smart women mm-hmm. talking about. Food, you know, and like mm-hmm. Gia Tolentino also has a really strong relationship to food, and yeah. don't we all? Um, <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. It's part of our identity, right? Yeah, um, yeah it's it's so lovely. Like, I I can't wait to finish this book. Um, on the subjects of returning to your home country, I think mm. one of the main points of seeing our mum being so happy in the place that she grew up as well, like to see the place of familiarity. And I think it's a connection for her with her mother and her ch- yeah. her children, us, um, to show that the culture and also food connection, of course, because I remember going back to Taiwan she will always visit this like vegetarian noodle store and oh, really? kept telling me that, oh, this is what I eat when I was like in high school and they oh, still yeah, have it. That's nice. And she, yeah, yeah. she, and the, there's, there's a kind of intimacy that you get because when the owner of the noodle store remind, remembers the specific type of dish that you have that you yeah. usually eat. And I yeah. remember that the uh, store owner will still remember how our mom is. Likes a lot of bean sprout in her noodle soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah. Way, that's the kind of intimacy that you have within that community is really lovely. Yeah. yeah wow, I didn't know that story. That's incredible. Mm. Also, I feel like a lot of people just remember mom, our mum whenever she goes into any space because yeah, she's so sorry. fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our mum is like sixty three now or sixty four, and she yes. still looks like forty. Uh huh. Yeah, she's well, like, like she still yeah. is just like. Yeah, it's very hard to be the daughter of someone so <laughs> egregiously um, attractive. Beauty, yeah, yeah. Our mum is like, yeah, ridiculously attractive. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, that's really nice. I I remember just liking, yeah, going to um, Tai Chi Ya. Tai Chi Ya is like 
um, the Taiwanese term for wet market. Like, <laughs> wet, ma- yeah, markets, yeah, markets, and like yeah, you know, traditional like the smell, the the concrete floors that are always wet, mm-hmm. like, um, and and the kind of um. In the butcher stores and the meat stores, uh-huh. they would often have like uh, the fan. Yes, and with like a- a- attached to them would be like uh, strings that yes. rotate to fan That's away to get the rid flies. Of them. Yeah, fa- exactly. The yeah, flies. like yeah, yeah. It was just so comforting to even think about that. And Michelle Zona's book really reminds me of that history that I have, and it really uh-huh. makes me yearn for going back to Taiwan. Like I find it interesting that you say that um, you don't like to use the word back go back mm. to Taiwan anymore but I think I will always I will always always feel like um, Taiwan was my home mm-hmm. and like I left when I was four <laughs> yeah. and you left when you were like Ten. 11 yeah, 10 yeah 10. right yeah. so yeah that's really interesting Okay, um, so moving on. Uh, yeah, are... so what's the news pieces Helen wants to talk about? Okay, two news pieces this that I want episode. to rant about. Mm-hmm. Firstly, which is uh, very local Australia-based. Mm-hmm. So this week, um, as everyone knows, uh, the whole world is still going through the period of pandemic mm-hmm. and every country is fighting their rights to get as much va- people vaccinated yep. as, mm-hmm. as possible. And earlier this week, there was a news came out of a private school boy. Oh, uh, sorry, a private boy school. Boys school. Yeah. Um, they have their 160 boarders being vaccinated. Students, just the students. Students, yeah, yeah. yeah, students. Yeah, year 12 students. And people starting to question. I think it was first um, published in Sydney Morning yes. Herald. The reporter yes. from Sydney Morning Herald reported that the 160 boarders was, were vaccinated back in May. Yeah. And they were not actually on the priority list to get vaccinated because we are in such shortage of Pfizer. Yeah, so these which are is the preferable vaccine. Yeah, so these for are Pfizer the, um, vaccines, yeah. and at the moment you can only get Pfizer if you're over fifty or you have um, a medical condition. Under fifty, under 50. sorry, over forty. Over forty. Over 40 if you're yeah. over forty, and um, you, or if you have, or if you're indigenous, or if you have a pre-existing medical condition, um, you yeah. cannot get it. But these guys got it. These 163 year 12 students. Only um, mm-hmm. a few of them are indigenous. I think four percent are indigenous. Um, That's and yet, right. And yeah. yet they were all got vaccinated. And what the um, health uh, was a Sydney District of Health came out and saying that there was an error yes. that they yeah. <laughs> mistakenly um, inoculated all the border students. And I just found that just such a ridiculous um, excuse to make. Mm. How can you make an error when you have purposely planned and organized, like oh, I think it was like four bus load of yeah, students. Yeah. To um, Royal North Shore Hospital, I, I think? think it was Is the um, was um, was it Prince the clinic? Alf- no, no. Okay, I think it was RPA. Maybe I, RPA, I don't know. Okay, remember. one of yeah, the hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and none of the um, people questioned at that time yeah. why this group of young kids have been prioritized to being vaccinated. I can understand totally for the Indigenous and First Nation students. Yeah. If they're on the priority list, of course they'll be able yeah, to get yeah. it. But we're talking about the rest of 150-plus students yeah. who are I presumably white from a very wealthy, background, wealthy yeah. families. 
to be able to access these vaccines while we had loads of age worker, uh, HK and workers. Nurses who are still not. Nurses. St- yeah. Still who, yeah, that's basically the crux of the um, backlash against it, that, that actually, mm-hmm. like, we're not against people being vaccinated, obviously. You know, Helen and I, we support the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, the more people getting vaccinated, the safer the world is. However, um, it's the, the, the sort of... Um, crime that has occurred that I guess we see here happening is that a lot of people who are Mm -hmm. eligible and who probably should be prioritized have not been prioritized and that these kids like um and I think also it's um like a lot of people on Twitter were saying like oh this is what paying forty thousand dollars a year gets you Mm -hmm. you know like a you can skip the line when it comes to getting vaccinated yeah, I also wonder, will, will those students be mostly still under 18? Then that means that their parents would need to consent oh, for okay. them to receive the vaccination. Really? And oh, right, yeah. So you mean parents the parents know about it? Yeah, yeah. 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 The parents would know about it and they probably thought that, oh, yeah, you know, we can jump the queue, we'll just yeah. take it. Can I just say something about jumping the queue? I have had conversations with friends about how um, apparently there are some people who basically just like, like, you know, the so in Australia we have to fill in a form to see if you're eligible mm-hmm. for the Pfizer vaccine. And, um, yes. and um, apparently some people are just lying on the form and saying, oh, yeah, I live yeah, with a healthcare yeah, worker. And then, like, nobody checks because the lines at the vaccination clinics are so, like, in and out, as if the nurses yeah, have time to check whether to or not. check your yeah, background. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, like, um, yeah, I've heard of people <sighs> just, like, lying in order to get Pfizer. And I just find, like, I find that a bit um, nefarious, to be honest. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. This is so wrong, I think. Yeah, it's quite immoral, isn't it? Uh-huh, yeah, very immoral. When and a lot of people, yeah. No, I just find that that's like kind of skipping the queue, like, unethically. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was trying to find. Yeah, unethical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it was at the end of the last year, there was, like, um, a Canadian billionaire who travelled to, like, a regional area where they were trying to vaccinate um, the Indigenous community there. Yeah. And I don't know whether or not he got fined or jail, but that was just, oh. you know, people with money, they just think that they can move ahead and save themselves first. Yeah, yeah. Without considering the possible harm they're doing for the rest of the world. Yeah. Speaking of vaccinations, Helen, have you been vaccinated? No, I haven't. I booked. Yeah, I've, I haven't either. My booking is at the end of July. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I've just turned fourteen in June. So yeah. yeah. Um, I just become eligible, okay. and the first appointment that I can get is the end of July. So okay. We, st- okay. we still have a bit of time to go, and I don't even know whether or not I'll be able to get it because people are saying that oh, um, I've heard stories people being cancelled or moved back, rescheduled oh, really? because there right. is a shortage. There is yeah. definitely a shortage of vaccines. Conversely, yeah. I've heard that they've at the end of each day, the nurses are forced to throw out a lot of vaccines because you know they have a short lifetime span. Oh and, yeah, and they have right. like an, yeah. Sometimes they just don't f- end up finishing them, so they just have to chuck mm-hmm. it. I think it's the differences between here and Europe and uh, and US is because that mm-hmm. we have very limited um, places doing the vaccine. Right. My friends are telling me that in US you can get it in supermarket. <laughs> For really? pharmacies, yeah. Oh, but whereas okay. we are very strictly tightened with the regulation of health yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and safety, so 
there's very limited hospitals and clinics that are yeah right yeah you can get yep, vaccination yep. yeah yeah wow well, yeah anyway uh, moving on to the other news this is actually not a news anymore I think people have, might have seen the in the past fortnight or so uh, mm. it first came to me from uh, Yumiko Dr Yumiko uh, the writer oh, yes. of emotional shout out female yeah shout out yeah, you shout out jo- to Yumiko and a great book you yeah. guys should all read it it's just like can I just also say that um, during my time at the residency down in the Southern uh-huh. Islands, uh, somehow I felt like watching an Australian drama that oh, yeah. I like, saw <laughs> growing up, like the trailer of every single like day. Like Channel 10's The Secret Life of Us was always like, there was always ads for them. And I think I was like quite young when they were coming out. So I just, you know, as if I would, as a 10-year-old, be interested in, you know, what 27, 20 or 30 something year olds are going through um but i did start watching the first season of the secret life of us with claudia carvin and joe edgerton um Mm -hmm. and deborah mailman and can i just say it is so fucking good oh yeah so fucking good and um deb and claudia carvin plays um, she plays uh, yeah a, a, a new kind of um upcoming surgeon she's just finished her registrar she's becoming a like serious surgeon and um like a lot of the stuff that she's going through reminds me of the stuff that Yumiko talks about in her book. Wow! Like even though Claudia Carvin is not Asian, like uh-huh. she still faces but a lot experience of shit. in the industry. Yeah, in the yeah. industry of like um, you know, dominated by male surgeons, mm-hmm. and like it was kind of really. I just have to say this to Yumiko if you're listening. It's, it was so depressing to see that because, um. That first season was shot in 2001, I believe. It was 20 years and, ago. Yeah, 20 Fuck. years ago, same fucking issue, seriously. <sighs> it, it'll, I honestly just don't think it'll ever change. Like, oh, it's so awful. Hard. It's absolutely awful. Yeah, as long as we have babies, mm-hmm. I don't know how things are going to change. There's <laughs> society structure of this misogynist concepts in everywhere. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Anyway, so Yumiko, uh, she sent me a message, um, asked us to check out a tweet from a Twitter. I think she's a writer as well, Vanessa Chen. Um, mm-hmm. So she tweeted a couple of screenshots from a website, which is called Yolk, uh, Y-O-L-K. Y-O-L-K. Yeah. It's a media company, and she was just wondering why this media company, which labeled that they are celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islanders' creative voice, and mm. when she dig into it, a lot of staff, well, most, I think it was like 99% of the staff that was shown on the website are white people. Oh, what the hell? So on its About Us page, it says that Yoke is the multimedia magazine for un- uninhabited, authentic expression of Asian American identity. It is the end of doing what expected and a celebration of all colors and in around yellow. They actually <laughs> used the, 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 the term yellow. We yeah. celebrate Asian American Pacific Islander creative voices and through leaders on our platform. So through their leaders, what they say is that their senior editor is a white woman called Heather Longsethel. Longsethel, uh-huh. yeah. So she's the senior editor and the columnist writing about the culture blind spots in her white perception. Review only what? after she married her Asian American husband. <laughs> oh my god! So <laughs> this is wow, wow. Yeah. Continue. Just I have, I have no like unlimited wows when I was reading yeah. this. Yeah. And I've looked up 
uh, a couple of articles which return after the exposure uh, exposure by the tweets. Uh, Asian American News have an article came out saying that the CEO of Yoke uh, mm. speaks out after backlash. So the CEO is actually a true Asian American. His name is Jonathan Sposato. Sposato. Yeah, so it's actually a media company that comprises not only magazine, they have like a TV channel mm-hmm. as well. The CEO clarified that Yoke.TV was not created by white people. He said that mm. I started. Um, I'm the founder, CEO, 100% investor of Yoke TV. I'm the sole person of the um, cap cap table. I don't know what does that mean in the investor's mm. turn. Although mm. the cause of share will be granted to others as we evolve. From mm. the tweet from Vanessa, she further tweeted all the screenshots of the staff in this company. So mm. there's a guy called Ben Thorderston, Ben Press, Tracy Delslove. So all of them mm. are white people. Mm. And they were trying to, I don't know what they're trying to do, honestly. I feel like mm. we don't have enough Asians uh, to voice out our own stories. And now, before the food, the music, um, mm. we have cultural appropriation on those. And now we have white people trying to take over the space on the media um, environment. I don't know, to speak on, on behalf of Asian people? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, so it's quite bizarre. Yeah. What yeah. I, yeah, what I found out is that the senior editor, Heather, is actually the, yeah, she's the, the person who married this Asian-American dude. Um, I guess they were just trying to establish something. I don't know how much they can write. I don't even think my white husband, he would feel that he needed to go out and saying that I will be the face of Asia. you know, Asian yeah. Australians because I'm married and Asian. <laughs> can you imagine that? Yeah, (gasps) that is all I can say about that is it's really fucking funny. Yeah. And it's uh, just another white thing that white people do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So easy for them to just feel like they have any kind of agency or voice or opinion about anything, you know? Uh Uh-huh. That's that's very, very true. Yeah. And they say that you use the term near Asians and also using the term yellow. That's just such a fucking slur you know yeah yeah exactly <sighs> so on news again this week uh, about tennis um, the sports industry we have this young British tennis player Emma Rajukanu who is uh, let me see she's only 18 years old Mm-hmm. And she's a mix of Chinese and Romania, I think. Right, right. Yeah, so her That's dad... a great mix, by the way. <laughs> is that? Or what's, yeah. what's a bad mix? There is <laughs> no bad <laughs> mix. Honestly, there's no such thing as a bad mix. Um, Honestly, like, Helen was sharing me a TikTok... Um, what do you even call them, a TikTok video? I don't know. So, <laughs> such, a, such a boomer. But Helen was sharing a TikTok video of, of like, um, mixed-race girls who are, like... T- like took a picture of their dad and their mum and then like 
and then like they reveal ex- themselves, reveal their own faces, and like I swear, every single girl looked so fucking super hot. hot yeah, I yeah, swear, like yeah. any mixed people are just so fucking hot. There's just no, <laughs> there's no mixed people who are not hot. <laughs> okay, so I picked up this news about Emma Raducanu. Apologize if I mispronounce your surname. Was about that how uh, she withdrew from Wimbledon because she was um, not. F- not feeling well of the pressure that been dismissed by all the former or um uh, was by dismissed sorry i'm going to start it again emma she withdraw her wimbledon uh competition because there were middle-aged male commentators commented about how she's not handling well both, I think it was both physically and mentally. I couldn't really find the exact words that those commentators said, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but a lot of other tennis players have since came out and support her decision of withdrawing because mm-hmm. she's been encountered with such amount of pressure on mm. the world stage of sports. Mm. And a couple of episodes ago, we spoke about Naomi Osaka. Naomi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she opened up about how the press conference after the tournament was yes. putting yes. a toll on her mental health. Yeah. And straight afterwards, we see a lot of male commentators, mostly middle age again, yeah. saying that, mostly oh, she's white. <laughs> mostly white, how she's so weak, she's not good enough. I, I guess just. People haven't experienced that kind of pressure would never understand and they just mm. take everything for granted and think that because I'm a commentator, I have the right to attack. Mm. And I guess in the position of power dynamics as well, because they're male and they're white, they assume mm. that they have all those rights to say things like that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <sighs> I was really, which is really sad. I ho- hope that she will be coming back soon you know, after the recovery. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think uh, these women coming out and, you know, being upfront about putting their mental health first mm-hmm. can only be a good thing. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and people will always talk bad shit about you, I think, no matter what you do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm, I wonder if it's just a generational thing. Yeah. I think particularly women and people of colour – Mm. taken a lot more scrutiny um mm. whereas if you compare to white male sports stars they are never really been punished as harshly when mm. they're doing bratty shit yeah yeah nfl players nrl players sorry <laughs> rapists right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's from me that's all from me this week yeah so what are you looking forward to in the next week. I'm looking forward to the end of lockdown so that I can go back to Dendi Newtown. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? I honestly don't think that we will be have any uh, easy normal restriction for another two weeks. Oh, That's what I'm okay. thinking. Because we just yeah, had there... 44 cases. That's a peak. Are you serious? Yeah. We just had Wow, that's a lot. Cases. And I'm glad time. I'm not one of the 44 because <laughs> I was just <laughs> <laughs> so I got a test like on Wednesday and because um, I like had a sore throat and I just kind of panicked and went to get tested. And then I literally got my notification for a negative result like two hours before the 48 hour mark. Uh-huh. And so I was like really panicky. 
I assume that if you're positive, they will contact you straight away. They wouldn't wait for. I hope yeah. so. Yeah, they'll ring you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So on when Thursday, I was just like waiting for a phone call. <laughs> well, I'm looking yeah. forward. I don't know. I am not looking forward to anything, honestly. I just hope that <laughs> everyone can stay home and stay safe. Yeah. 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 That's what we're gonna do yeah. now. Yeah. Don't go out if it's if you not yeah essential and. Yeah, exactly. And if you are around um, next weekend and want to tune in um, to the Yarra Writers Festival, I will be speaking on two panels, um, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. Um, The first one, I'll be joined by Victoria Hannon, and we'll be talking about sex from a perspective of a young woman. Mm -hmm. And um, on Sunday's panel, I'll be talking to... Uh, a couple of critics about what the role of criticism plays now in Australia, and I can't wait for both oh, of those sessions. Oh, sounds so interesting. You can get yeah. So I was really looking forward to going down to Yarra. So Yarra is a festival about an hour and a half north, I believe, of Melbourne. Of Victor- uh, yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, and I was really looking forward to going there, but because of our lockdown, mm-hmm. I can't travel. So I'll be appearing via Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Go up online. We'll put oh. our put all the links on our show notes, and remember to. Yeah, RSVP or registered. Yes. Okay, so that's the end of our episode and I don't have the usual notes in front of me so I have no idea what I'm going to say. So please subscribe. But you know <laughs> the drill, guys. Yeah. So subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star rating if you have enjoyed our show. Share with your friends, uh, send your feedback so any topics that you would like us to talk about and just stay safe, everyone. Get vaccinated, stay safe. Yeah, yeah. Stay sane. Stay sane. And yeah. sane. That's it. Okay, we'll chat to you next week. Bye.